Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, hello everyone. Welcome back to the Cartoon Pad. Welcome back, Michael and Marty. Um, a lot of things going on. We have a good guest. I want to mention a couple of things, just get some house cleaning done. Um, I'm going to be seeing Sam Gross right after this podcast. If people want to send him a card or make a phone call, he's at Cardinal Cook Hospital. He's been asking cartoonists to kind of reach out, say hello to him. He'd appreciate that. Um, also, Mocha's coming up April 1st. I'll be at the table for the National Cartoonist Society on Saturday from 1 to 3 or so. Come by and say hello if you can. Bob, what's a mocha? Mocha! With a mocha? I'll have one, thank you. With a crawler. That is the thing for the cartoons. Um, what does mocha stand for, Bob? Yeah, I'm not even sure. (laughs) (laughs) Remind me not... Remind me not to stay involved enough to actually ask a question. It's uh, it's like a mochaccino, but with cartoons. Yeah. I, I hate to bring this up, but you are the producer. The I mean, mocha, it, the merrier. Yeah, Marty, that was your research to be to do before the show. It's the Museum of Comic and Cartoon Art. Oh, that's pretty cool. Mocha. M-O-C-C-A Arts Festival, or Mocha Fest is an independent comic showcase that typically includes artist booths, slideshows, educational panels. It was created by the Museum of Comic and Cartoon Art in 2002 by bringing together over 2,000 artists, publishers, and editors, and enthusiasts. That's a little thing called producing. Well done. Coming up Saturday, April 1st to Sunday, April 2nd in New York City. How much are those tickets, Marty? The tickets are... They're very cheap. They're 27 bucks, I think, for the day. And for the whole weekend, you can get a pass for like $35, and you can't put a price on art. You can, and they do. The tickets can be purchased through the Society of Illustrators. Oh, my. Online. Online. And uh, it loads very slowly. And that is what I can report to you right now. And that that was off the cuff. Well done. Thank you. In other news, have you guys been following Skigate? I've been following Skigate only because you are doing such a good job um, covering it. All I know is that, uh, what's her name, the goop goop girl? Gwyneth. Ran into an, an old man skiing. Allegedly. Bob, and he is angry that she ran into him, and it caused him um, pain. Trump. Trump. And now he is suing her for stupidly running into him. That is, is that correct? It's very close to the case going on with the uh, podcast in which Michael is suing me for Trump. Ah, um, so isn't there an implied risk to like skiing or doing a podcast that it's going to get kind of fucked up anyway? Skiing podcasts, people always say. Oh, now he made the testimony this morning that since the accident, he has not enjoyed any any of his wine tasting groups. He no longer can taste wine. But then he made the confession, I suppose, that he drinks and skied. Wow. Don't so, the influence. So the guy that got hurt was was drunk when he was skiing? That's what I'm thinking. He's an optometrist. He's but, she, but she ran into him because she was out of control skiing? Well, the thing was is they're each accusing the other one of being the person who skied from uphill and that the other person skied into them. Paltrow says that she was still, and she was run into, and the old, the old man says the other way around. And then what's amazing is they're not focused at all about the witnesses. They have all these witnesses who saw the accident. Instead, they're all focused on this man's change in demeanor since the accident. And so he's 
they brought on his family, his daughters, and each of them were telling him how the father has now become a monster since the accident. And to me, it's like totally off the rails. It's amazing how these lawyers are going down this rabbit hole that we would never even think of. Yeah. Uh, Bob. Yes. You really need to get a day job. What are you watching? Court TV all day long? Was this judge? He's TV? right. He's doing cartoons about this. Michael, I'm doing what About this see. thing. And you're doing cartoons about this Bob Costas thing. I'm only learning about this Bob Costas thing with the baseball rules because of the coverage that you're giving it in cartoons. Michael, you're trying to gag a gag cartoons. I'm sorry. I No, no, I'm not. You are providing service cartooning. Now, what we need to do is get you on board on something. You've got to go out and look for an issue to get yourself preoccupied. Bob, I need a niche. You know what your niche is, Shaw? I have a niche for you. Okay. They're delicious, I understand. But don't eat too many eggs because they have the right. cholesterol. Um, classic cars and car collecting and just people who love cars that are totally impractical. I feel like that's a good niche for you. That's a very car, good one. Car shows, car hobbyist, anything with do it. Because I know that my dad has had a... Um, Austin Healy, 106, sitting in the garage since before I was born. And I have spent my entire life playing in this car, pretending to get it running it. We actually have had it running a couple of times. I took it out. Uh, I stole it when I was in high school. To oh, I saw that movie. I did the exact same thing as a Ferris Bueller. I took this car Bueller. and I drove it down the street and I had to push it home because oh, yeah. it, it just conked out. Luckily, it's a tiny car, so I could push this car home. That's a that's a valuable collectible there you got, sir, in Austin Healy. So, a beautiful car. I was actually the official cartoonist for the North American Citroen enthusiast, and I my job was to produce a Citroen cartoon oh, every month. And no, no, sir, Citroen. And that's the kind of car that Patrick Jane had in. Yes, the Mentalist. In fact, one of my cartoons is Patrick Jane. He has his DS at the mechanic, and he goes, I don't care if you are the Mentalist. You never work on your own Citroen. You know, what are you, a fool? You're no Mentalist. Anyway. That's funny. That's a beautiful car. I'm used. We've already made you vastly more interesting. (laughs) I I feel like we're making progress. Well, yeah, like, can't fall off the floor, my friend. You know what I always (laughs) say? Speaking of interesting, I think our guest is going to be fascinating. I, I, I am fascinated with her, so. Yeah, there's a lot to cover. Um, I'm going to ask the producer, is she in the room yet? No. All right. Well, let's so, so she's phoning in from, uh, she's our second international guest, the first one being Victoria Roberts, who called us from Mexico. That's right. That's right. Good memory. I, well, once in a while. Uh, and you know, I'm calling in from Wisconsin, and that's sort of another country. Well, since our guest is not on the air, I'll, I'll share that I'm actually a fan of her work. I've been following her work for a while. I know, Michael, you have been sort of making a friendship with her, too, and you also enjoy her work. Yes. <laughs> have you seen her paintings and illustrations? They're amazing. They, they're amazing. Like, why the hell are you wasting your time drawing cartoons? You know what? I wouldn't say that, but I was thinking exactly that. I, I, I will say that. Agreed. Well, Michael, we got our guest, and she's one of the new hot cartoonists with this amazing uh, body of work as an illustrator as well, and she has a fascinating background. Her latest cartoon in the Weekly Humorous has been selected Cartoon of the Month by the popular newsletter, The Bob. And now from the other side of the world, hello, Sarah Morset. That is such a nice introduction. How nice of you. It's great to be here finally after some tech issues. No, it's our pleasure to have you on. Um, I really am a fan of your work. Your paintings are beautiful. Your cartoons are funny. And I've also um, seen a little bit of of an arc with the growth of your work. I'm seeing the changes from your earliest cartoons to the ones you're doing now. Yeah, what have you noticed? What kinds of changes have you noticed for the better or the worse? The cartoons are way more sophisticated. It's really growing in in all good ways. I think that they're getting better. I mean, the last cartoon you did for the Weekly Humorous was these, um, Marty, what do you call the guys who um, put Jesus on the cross? Romans. 
Yes, <laughs> Marty. But but I know they're Romans. But what would you call those Romans who are all geared up? Oh, mean, mean. No, no, mean Romans. Yeah. Centuries. Centuries. No. Centurion. And now the caption, I don't have it memorized off the top of my head, but it refers to that these will all be great little souvenirs at the gift shop eventually. Yeah. What he says to his friend, he says, we should make miniatures and sell these as souvenirs of the people Thank being you, crucified in the background. It's a perfect cartoon. Uh, Thank you. Perfect cartoon. There's so many layers of humor in the yeah, cartoon. You know, uh, Lenny, Lenny Bruce told a joke that if uh, Jesus had been around his time, we'd all be wearing little electric chairs around our neck. <laughs> that it's a thinker. That's the anchor. That's a good Yeah, but, but wait a minute. You know, Jesus might not even be hanging there. It might be someone else. It might be three other guys. Of course. Yeah. Nothing in the cartoon says that is Jesus. It was just like a bunch yeah. of people being mm-hmm. crucified. There were there many, many, many people up there crucified all, all the time. I don't think we can back. I don't think we can walk that one back. I'm sorry. You don't think so? We'll get yeah. some flack from the Christians okay. anyway. Yeah. Uh, where you are from the Lutherans, I think. Uh, uh, me? Are you talking well, to me? I'm talking to you. So you're in Vienna. Yes, I'm in Vienna, and I am not Catholic, not Christian, um, <laughs> not I, Mormon. <laughs> I understand you're Californian. Yes, I am. I'm from the U.S. I'm from California, and I've lived here a long time because I met my husband a long time ago in California and decided to move here. Vienna is where like, they have those tiny sausages. They're delicious. Yeah. And the fingers. Big sausages, very big ones. <laughs> I hate to say it. Oh, I thought the on every sausages were the little. <laughs> no, they're they're big. <laughs> they're long. I mean, well, I don't want to get into sausages here because we'll get into really uh, pornographic humor. But no, there's a long. There's a, right, wait, there's a product <laughs> called Vienna sausages in America, and they're like these little mini hot dogs. No, you can't even buy those here. No, no, no. Sarah's, Sarah's, Sarah's afraid the conversation is going to take a turn for the worse. <laughs> Damn for the worse. Okay. Do I have to say, in Vienna right now, there's the Strudel Show with tastings at the Schönbrunn Palace. Really? See, I'm yeah. not even following the news here because I'm so busy with my own life. I work full time and then I cartoon. And I occasionally will go to a museum or something, or maybe to the movies, but I am not often a tourist in this city. Oh, my. um, What do you do as a full-time normal person job in Vienna? I I work as a native speaker teacher at a middle school. So I'm working with these, you know, 10 to 14-year-olds who are going through hormonal rages and um, becoming little mini-adults and I deal with them every day and then I come down off of that after work I sit in my little office and just call them down are you uh and you channel all that you channel that into creativity and to painting beautiful paintings and then doing gag cartoon and your artwork is lovely thank you and um where did you started in California and where in California were you when you were in California I was in I, I was all over. I was born in Palo Alto in Stanford Hospital, and then I um, lived for a while in the Bay Area in um, Marin County, so in Tipperton sure. for a while, overlooking San Francisco Bay. Beautiful little place to live, and then my parents got divorced, and then I lived on a Greek island, and then when my mom got tired of that, we moved back to San Francisco, went out to Palo Alto, and then I lived with my grandmother for one year while while she tried out commune and after a year my grandma said barb you've got to take these girls and raise them yourself and so then we moved up to the commune with my mom and then i was literally off the grid so it's like i've been living on the moon for many many years i have no idea what's happening in popular culture so i have to ask a question what greek island the island of rhodos which is um, oh, rhodos, down in the turkey yes exactly very mama and i yeah and I lived now, in a little town called Lindos, which had, which had a castle on the hill, a beautiful little fishing village. Well, our little point of commonality is I lived in Greece for about a year and a half, and I taught in these places called Frontosterian. Really? Dog. Yes. Where? Lovely. where? Wait. Bob. Oh, Bob left, too. <laughs> Marty, you get 
<laughs> I'm running the show. <laughs> I've never been to Greece, and uh, your life sounds fascinating, and you've been to all these different places, and you've moved all around, and you got into Vienna from California because you met your husband in California. Right. I was studying at UCLA, and I met him down there. But was is he from Vienna? Yes, he's from okay. Vienna, and he was here on a quick little business trip. Gotcha. Actually meeting some playwrights and authors, and because, anyway, long story made short, we met and fell in love, and then I moved over a year later. That's so romantic. And yeah. and And because of probably all of the amount of moving around you had done it to that point anyway, you were probably... Different than a typical American who's just like, we never go anywhere. We never move anywhere. Like, I never leave my house. You know, I never go really? places. I'm like, I don't really go. But because you've been kind of like, you're kind of all over. You were just like, let's go to Vienna. Boom. That's exciting. Yeah. I sold everything. I had a big garage sale and, and I didn't have one ounce of fear, I guess, because I knew I wanted to be with him. And then I just moved over and. Were you out. were you an artist at that point? Have you always been drawing, painting, and stuff like that back yeah, then? Yeah, I've always been drawing. You know, up on the commune, I was introduced to the art of Art Brown and Zippy the Pinhead and Bill Griffith and the fabulous furry freak brothers. And so there was all this hippie stuff on the bookshelf, and I looked at it all when I was a kid. And I used to draw a lot with my sister, so I started drawing then. And then I started painting later when I got to Vienna. I started painting and then I got tired with that and started cartooning. Okay. So the car so the cartooning is pretty recent. Mm-hmm. I started four years ago. What was your what was your first uh published gag cartoon? Um, that was for accounting today and that was um two squirrels with nuts. One of them organizing this nuts saying, I'm getting ready for the auditor. That's a good one. Bob and Shaw, have you guys done any squirrel nut cartoons? Uh I, I worked at a, I just, I've never sold it, but I did a cartoon of the accountants returned to Capistrano and there's all these kind of white dudes in short sleeve business with ties flying back to Capistrano. It's a classic. Look at this. On the commune, I drew this cartoon. I don't know if you can see it. When I was a, I think I was 11 or 12 that I drew this cartoon and it says, there's an oh, no, old unattractive woman saying, at least I'm rich. And a young, beautiful woman saying, or thinking, at least I'm beautiful. Oh, that's ironic. And, and a lovely Chanel bag, it looks like. And it's yeah, nice. I love to write. It's nice that they're hanging out together because each one can help yes. the other one a little yeah, bit. Yeah, in a way. So that's actually my official first cartoon. It just was never published. Well, fascinatingly, at least to me, my first official cartoon was in the Athenian Monthly in Athens. Mm-hmm. And it was I... this very Europeanish spot drawing of a waiter and i think i was paid like 20 drachma which was like 12 cents Great. and a and a bottle of uh uh uzo nice i like the, uzo. oh the rest is history nice so uh were you heavily influenced by you you seem your your cartoons seem very american i was you know i i keep thinking that you're over there you're in europe you like doing these kind of <laughs> Delicate kind of visual puns of butterflies on mopeds, but you're still a little gritty. Well, I, you know, there's some I, anger there. Would you like to talk about it? I'm still an American at heart. I still think like an American, draw like an American. I still read American things and watch American movies, and I still, you know, read the New Yorker. I have for years. So yeah, I guess yeah, I draw American cartoons. They do. They are, uh, are. If have you looked for markets in Europe? I mean, is that a difficult not to crack? Yeah. I would never do it here because they're all looking for political cartoons, and I don't draw those. And they're looking for caricatures of pol- politicians, and I don't draw those either. So Bob could give you lessons because he's a crackerjack political character. Yeah. Cartoons. Yeah. It's it's Bob able to speak to us. Is he is he done with his little snit. Bobby, okay? No, no, I'm with you. Um, and I used to do editorial cartoons for the New York Daily News, but uh, like papers everywhere, they're shrieking. In Austria, are the newspapers struggling as well as they are over here? I don't think they're struggling as much. I haven't heard of that many publications going out of business, but I'm sure they don't have much money to pay for, you know, editorial stuff. 
I'm sure they're also struggling, but I haven't heard of anybody really closing. You know, I read some of the things you did about the hippies and mm-hmm. sort of like the family ties where the kids are the sensible ones and the parents are cr- kind of crazy. And then I learned that Barbara in your trading cards was your mom. Yeah. I said, oh my God, you poor girl. It's like, yeah. no, left the country. Of course. I mean, my sister and I were mortified. We didn't want to live up there. I mean, she was gardening in the nude and, and making yogurt and granola. And, and I just wanted to have a TV. Yeah. It, for the adults, it was heaven. They were building houses and chopping wood and doing all that exciting stuff. And I just wanted to uh, have a macaroni and cheese casserole and not like bulgur and, and, uh, at what point, at what age were you when you were living in a commune? I was there from 10 to 18. Oh, so quite a many years. Those, yes, and there was no electricity, no phone, which meant I had no TV. I couldn't watch Gilligan's Island or the Brady Bunch or any of that stuff. So did I you, only saw that. Did you find yourself trying to recapture the childhood of the media that you had lost? Like, did you go and just kind of accumu- accumulate all that stuff that you hadn't seen, and then you watched it at like 19? No, here's what I did. Here's what I did, Marty. I binged it all in the summer at my grandma's house. Because we would leave the commune and stay with my grandma for the summer. And my sister and I would just junk out on junk food and Captain Crunch and TV. And my grandma let us watch everything and have everything we wanted. So my grandma was heaven to me. And whenever I would play with friends, I'd go to their house after school and we'd watch TV and sit there eating tubs of ice cream. So I did get TV, but just not at not at home, not on yeah. a daily basis. It reminded me a little bit of my parents. It was a little sad because growing up, my parents put no emphasis on school and doing work, and they were always doing stuff that provided distractions and prevented me from, from doing better than I thought I should do. I didn't finish high school, and my parents used to be up all night and gambling, and it was just a mess, and I felt... Just going back to your cartoon book about your hippie life, you have a book on your website, and your website is, I want to mention, more set at A-T, which is M-O-R-R-I-S-E-T-T-E dot A-T. And there you go by... Wait, 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 wait. Stop you there. I'll stop you there real quick. It's double R, double S, double T. Oh, okay. I I only have one S. So Yes. That's how there are no vowels. It's resist- <laughs> it's it's the accent. It's kind of French, kind of Belgium. I just feel like I always feel for kids who have like succeed against all odds, and you've done that. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, well, you know, it was pretty crazy, I and mean, de- definitely did did have some influences there that I shouldn't have had, but it led to some very incredible experiences. Like, you know, I worked for Timothy Leary when I got to LA because he was one of the people on the commune that visited there often. Senator, is the country of Austria funnier on drugs? I wouldn't know because I don't really know anybody who takes drugs here. You know, I grew up with people who took drugs all the time. Astrid, mushrooms, um, um, MDMA, I mean, you name it, they took it. But I don't know anybody who does anything other than, you know, smoke a little weed. Is Austria a funny country? Oh, yeah, they're very funny. The Viennese have this really, really funny accent and very um, sort of black humor. They really, really have a great sense of humor. Bob, you've had a schnitzel before, haven't you? At any country that has a dish called a schnitzel, you know, they're kind of fun. They're going to amuse you. There's a, that's a, that's a strudel. There's a, a cartoonist, uh, there's a cartoonist in Berlin that I, uh, I publish whenever she sends stuff, and it's Hillary Allison. Do you know Hillary Allison? I've heard of her, yeah. Yeah. She seems like she's in your uh, your country-ish. How close to Berlin are you uh, uh, from where you are in Vienna? No, I, need, I don't know Hillary Allison, but I know Hillary Campbell lives right in Sonoma where I used to live, where my dad lived. So Hillary here, Campbell think... lives in Greenpoint. She's up the street from me in Brooklyn, actually. Oh, we went to that cartoon I... contest party uh, a couple of weeks yeah. ago. In summers, she goes to Sonoma, so I was hoping to meet up with her there. Yeah. Well, I'm going to send you a link to Hillary Allison, who is a cartoonist who lives in Berlin, and um, she's very funny, and she does great cartoons, but then also she does uh, graphic design and, and drawing and stuff, but um, you guys should have a little cartoon meetup. Yeah. 
I, I know of her work. I just haven't met her yet or virtually met her yet. But that would be nice. Thank you. I'm gonna email. I'm emailing all my all my weekly humorous cartoonists who are in Germany, and you guys can have a little. <laughs> but maybe you can all yeah. you can all go to Bavaria. And uh, <laughs> what's your uh, what's your cartoon drawing process like as you've moved into becoming a gag cartoonist, Sarah? Are you in a, a situation where you're doing the weekly batches? Are you disciplined and you you're sitting down and saying, "I just got home from dealing with all these bratty middle school kids." I'm now going to churn out 10 gag cartoons to send out this week. Like, do you have a schedule like that where you're you're focused on that yes. kind of regimen? Yes, I love schedules. I love regimens. And thank you, Marty, for bringing this whole thing back down to earth again. I have my schedule and I stick to it. I submit 10 a week. And last week for the first time, I submitted um, nine. So I kind of feel bad that I'm submitting less. But I figured... You know, as long as they're all good, I shouldn't worry if it's less than 10. You can keep so, on yeah, I, submitting. And then also what a lot of other folks have told us that they do is ones that maybe you think are really strong and they don't get in. You pack them in another batch a couple of months later and maybe they get another maybe they get another look because definitely people do that to me and stuff that maybe I didn't pay attention to the first time around for whatever reason. Things happen in people's lives that affect everything that happens with even the most mundane thing is picking a cartoon. You can be distracted. Something about the cartoon doesn't hit you that day because something else happened that was related. And for some reason, you're angry at the name Maureen. And the name Maureen is in the cartoon. And now all of a sudden you're like, I don't like that cartoon because of that Maureen. And then months later, you forget all about Maureen. And now you think that cartoon is funny. True. What happens, I do... Yeah. I do resubmit cartoons occasionally, but not that often. Because usually my older cartoons are just not as appealing to me anymore. But sometimes I have some old ones that I think are still strong, and I, I would I will resubmit those. But usually as time goes on, I'm more fond of my newer stuff. And yeah. when I look at my older stuff, I kind of cringe a little and don't want to see them again. <laughs> do you have stuff that you've done in the past that you've been like, I can't believe I drew that, or I can't believe oh, I did yeah. that joke? You know, I've done some really bad stuff that I actually uploaded to Cartoon Stock, and now I'm actually, I would love to go in there and just take a lot of that stuff down. That's right, folks. Bring your shitty stuff to Cartoon Stock. They'll take anything. <laughs> you know, it's terrible. Or send it to Vardy. It's a, you know, the stuff there right now of mine is basically just a random grab bag. And so, but some of it actually gets lightened, so I, maybe I'll just leave it there. But I think there's one person that I could write to if I wanted to have a lot of it deleted. I could probably write a list of the numbers and have them delete them all. I'm just too busy. I don't have time to go through. Where do you find stuff gets licensed um, on the cartoon stock? Is there any kind of a client that, do you know who licenses the stuff on the cartoon stock? You you basically just get a name and uh, sometimes you get the name of a publication and so far, it's been private people or educational or, and it's usually the environmental cartoons. Those seem to go well. Things that have to do with, you know, the world going under, those are good. People love to laugh at the tragedy of the environment. Yeah. That is true. <laughs> and textbooks yeah. are a gold one. It's not like yeah. a textbook. It's, it's like an annuity. It comes around every year. Yeah. That's what mm -hmm. Nick Downs always told me about. He always talks about the textbook stuff being like, Yes. That, that's what it keeps the cartoonist paid for like years was if you got into yes. like a couple of these textbooks and they would renew it every year or whatever, every time mm -hmm. they would do a reprinting. But then they mm -hmm. went and they just stopped. They yes. just stopped licensing anything anymore or they didn't realize they had to pay again. Like new people oh. came in and they're like, well, we have to pay you again? I don't want to pay anymore. Yeah. Or you sell this or you sell this cartoon to like paper products who puts it on a uh, now now they're going to drop me but I don't care. Uh, it puts your cartoon on cocktail napkins. You get the statement that you sold 15,000 uh, 15, uh, sets of napkins, and here's your check for $27.35. Right, it's really not much, but whatever. I um, I can't really draw with something in mind knowing that it's going to land here or there. I just draw my cartoons, and then later on I think, okay, that could fit into this category or that category, but I don't actually draw... A specific category unless somebody says i want cartoons that have to do with the woods or something then i would draw one but normally i just draw whatever just comes to my mind and do you have a process 
creatively that how you would go about doing since the weekly batch? I usually just uh, either a word will trigger something. Like if I, I really like the word shenanigans, I'll try to work that into a cartoon somehow. Um, it always starts with a word or something that I hear or read. And then I just somehow turn that into a caption. And then I do the picture after I come up with the gag line. And then I draw it. I draw it with actual pens on actual paper with actual watercolor. And then I scan it and then I Photoshop it. Uh, what's your choice of paper since we're going to actually, I'm going to actually stay on topic for a moment. Well, I use, I buy these hundred packs of Canson. Oh, is that, like a, is that like a Bristol board? It's good stuff. It's, yeah. But one of them is thinner. It's 200 grams. And the other one is. It's got a good toothiness. Yeah. yeah and I like is, a smooth surface myself. Yeah. This one is, it's cold pressed and it's got a little bit of a tooth, but I like it because it, fairly cheap and you get it in packs of a hundred. So if I screw one up, I can just throw it away and start over. And where do you keep all your stuff? Do you do a flat file and you have a great like archive or? I do. Right behind me. You see those files? I do. Those are all your cartoons? Yeah. 700 so far. 750. That's it. And you work Not in, that many. You work in a size that's like a, a manageable storage uh, 9 by 12. Yeah. It's a little bigger than my, yeah, 9 by 12. That's good. Like that. yeah. In my earlier days, um, I was working on, I mean, I had this insane, stupid process and it came out to this beautiful, I would do this masonite. I would cut this masonite board. I would cut this masonite board and then I would put down the primer, like in a primer. I would prime the masonite. Then I would sand it with a hand sander, with a motorized. Wow. Then I would say, then I would prime it again. Then I'd sand it again. And I had it all taped. Yeah. Then I would do this oil, transparent oil of these, you know, this gorgeous like editorial portraiture. And this thing weighed. It was so big. It was so big. And I have stacks of them in my poor parents' basement. And they take up so much space. And they're, they're always like, So are you gonna like are we gonna get rid of these? I was like, No, we can never get rid of this. This so, is like, so Marty, then then the then the Renaissance was over, right? And then you could I don't move on the stained glass. I don't know what I was doing. And then when I actually started doing editorial stuff for actual newspapers, they needed the work in a day. You know, they would give you a deadline yeah. of like a day. They'd give me the yeah. article. They'd give me the size. And then I would do it yeah. on paper and I would do transparent oil painting. So I would do oils and turp on paper and then I'd on scan paper. it in on, a, on yeah. a scanner and the scanner would get covered in paint. And then I would just Photoshop it. And then I have these... Okay. These pieces of paper all over the place. Uh -huh. They're under my couch. They're everywhere in my apartment from years of the. Wow. But, but I mean, going from like this crazy Masonite junk to just, yeah. just like whatever paper I could find, I would just doodle on it and that would be a finish. Huh. Things become so less fascinating. Impressive. That's fascinating that you really worked like an old master. You know, that's what yeah. they did was making the, making the canvas, priming the canvas to be so smooth that you can't even see the texture of the canvas. Yeah, now he's, just, point. now he's just Sharpie and paper bag. I know. It's like everything just kind of flew flew out the window because of speed and necessity mm -hmm. of like, I don't have time for this. <laughs> and yeah. like, where am I going to put this? This is so, it's like so impractical, but I did it for such a long time while I was in school. Like, I don't know why, but I thought it was so important. And um, it's fun. I still have them and like, they're so durable. Like they could, they'll, they'll last forever. And they have... Everybody needs to have a gigantic caricature of Conan O'Brien with Triumph the Insult Dog for some reason. I have it. Okay. No. Cool. That reminds me a little bit when I worked for Timothy Leary, he, one of the things he had me do was organize his archives, which was basically his garage, like your sofa, like under your sofa. I was organizing all of his crap. I went in his garage and there were just all these boxes and opened up the boxes and they were just full of just miscellaneous items. So I literally had to organize and separate the baseball caps from the paperwork, from the T-shirts, from the... I mean, I literally had to sort all that stuff out. You didn't stash a few things, you know. I didn't. I should have. I didn't. But, you know, he, I, I had to do a bunch of crazy things for him. Not just that. I had to buy his gin and tonic. Yeah, would Timothy go, So have you fed the unicorn? He's back. <laughs> So tell me about this Timothy Leary, because you all know who this person is, and I just looked it up, and he's a a, a, a druggy psychologist. Is, is that what is that what this person is? He he's a he, psychedelic, uh, forward thinking doctor. 
He was a Harvard professor, psychology, and then he got got high one day, I think, on acid and decided, hey, this is a great thing. We can use it for, for you know, changing our minds and for the betterment of humanity. So he started doing studies with his students. He started, like, getting them high. And then he ended up getting um, arrested, of course, many times. And, um, yeah, and just became basically this psychedelic guru who was going around saying things like, turn on, drop out, tune in. And what's, That's what's right. That and you know who was a huge fan of doing acid was Bob. Me? Bob, Bob, is, Bob is stunned right now. No, Look at him. No, Sarah, no, Sarah, he was also a bestseller. I mean, he had... Yeah. One of the most he was. Books. Did you meet anyone interesting through him during a time as his assistant? I did because, you know, the reason I knew him was because he was friends of Michael Horowitz who lived on the commune and Michael Horowitz's daughter is Winona Ryder, the actress, and she was going out with Johnny Depp at the time who's also friends with Timothy Leary, so I knew them then. I met them a few sure. times. Yeah. This is an amazing and network of people that you, you met from this commune life. So interesting. Well, they just happened to live there. So what can I say? And then she needed, Winona needed a, a guardian when she was on set in L.A. And so I was her guardian on set when her parents couldn't do it. And then she was getting together with Christian Slater. I think that was her first boyfriend. And then she got together <laughs> with Johnny Depp. And then, so, yeah, I was around for all of that. What said? Were you on Beetlejuice? Yeah. You were on Battlejuice? <laughs> no, but I was there for the opening night. Uh, I like how Marty is uh, one of the most important philosophers of that hippie generation, Tim Leary. But he, he gets all excited about Beetlejuice. Tim Burton? Are you kidding? Edward Scissorhands? Yeah. Come on. This is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. The rap party was amazing. The rap party was absolutely incredible. Yeah. So it's it's fun memories for sure. What was the memory from being, so you had you had been on the set of Beetlejuice before? No, I didn't. I was oh. on the set of Heathers, actually. I remember being her. Yeah. Heathers. Yeah. Heathers was a really good movie that was traumatic, like a traumatic memory for me. Like, I remember seeing that movie and it being so disturbing that it, like, I couldn't sleep because of parts of that movie. And then I'd revisit them and I couldn't sleep again. Like, okay. there's just parts of that movie that got real dark, right? It was just like. Ooh. Yeah, it was back comedy yeah but yeah that's that's when i knew her and then i finished my degree and we lost touch we we never really became super close when ona and i i was just like her boring big older sister kind of and then we just lost touch and she became so super famous that i just you know that's exciting though and you guys are bonded for life though because you don't just forget the friend that you had as a guardian at the commune like that's not just someone you forget ever you know she hasn't. No, I'm sure she hasn't forgotten me. She's just busy. <laughs> yeah, it seems like throughout all of this, you seem like typical cartoonist Sarah that's sort of the spectator, observer, making commentary what's happening. But you yourself were not really a hippie or you didn't go into that whole culture and you kind of were seeing it from that sort of lens. I I did dabble with that stuff when I was up there. Of course, I did try smoking and I didn't really get into it that heavily. And then, of course, I did try growing, but I also didn't get into that too heavily. I mean, no. yeah, just to make a little money. That was my first job was trimming dope. Well, now it's a mainstream profession, so it's, it's lost its cachet. Yeah. yeah. It's not as much fun now it's legal. It's so weird. In New York, it's like every 100 feet is now like a CBD pot just you know shop that's completely legal and people just walk in and out and it doesn't matter it's like it's such an interesting thing that you grew up in a place where everything was like it was illegal and psychedelics all this and now it's people are just like doing it and like no one you can walk around new york and it just smells like skunks all the time because everyone's just high so when you miss that lifestyle do you just go to amsterdam for the weekend me i don't miss that lifestyle at all there were helicopters flying overhead trying to bust us they were really they were they were they were um Coming down and chopping down all the trees. People were afraid of, you know, being busted. People were, you know, holding. My mom had a shotgun and would sleep at her patch at night. I mean, they're like moonshiners. It's interesting. Like, with, it it like made dangerous. you such a responsible adult because you had such irresponsible parenting, and you were a child. So then it's interesting how you know sometimes kids who are sheltered and maybe, you know, they don't get to do all the stuff because they're always so you know kept from 
and then they go to college and they become wild, right? And all these terrible things happen mm-hmm. because they were so uh, protected. And you're the opposite. Yeah, just, like you were yeah. free with free parents and you were like, I, I need some rules. I need some responsibility, people. And now yeah. you've grown up to be like a responsible adult because of all exactly. of the non-rules. Well, I want to apologize for thinking so deep about your past, but it's fascinating. So yes. we can't help it. But let's, before we let you go, let's talk about your future and hear about anything you're working on now, aside from your cartoons. Uh, is there something that's exciting you now that you you want to share? Uh, yeah, actually, Funny Times just launched my t-shirt design. So if each of you guys buy a t-shirt or a blood, I can go buy a candy bar or something like that. I'll just buy you a candy bar too. That would be so good. I would get, like, if someone buys a t shirt, I would get $1. So, like, if you guys each buy a t shirt, I'm rich. Would you mail me a stolen? So, we go to Funny Times. (laughs) Is it funnytimes.com? Is there their store? Exactly. Funnytimes.com. And yes, there's a store. And on my Instagram, there's a a link to the store. So, in case somebody's desperate for a t shirt. Yeah. What's on your t shirt? Can you give us a little content? Well, you know those Venn diagrams that everybody loves to do. Oh, so with the coffee? Yeah. Do you have one with wine? It's one with coffee. It's one with eye and then the heart in the middle. And then there's a cup of coffee. I mean, I'm sure it's been done a million times, but they liked the design. No, it's very good. I saw that just for the first time today. And I want to thank you for sharing that Funny Times video, in which I don't know who that was, but they were reading from the Times the funny times, and they were reading my story. Mm-hmm. That was very nice. I yeah, know, it was, was Mia or one of the editors, but but thank you for that. And it's always great to see you in funny times and see your work there. It's, I mean, it's. I don't know what's in April. I've heard I have six cartoons in April, and I, ha- I don't have it yet. So I'm curious which ones they've taken. I don't oh, know. That's great. And then there's another thing coming up that I'm super excited about, but I'm not going to tell you anything. A famous cartoonist is coming to Vienna, and I'm going to meet this person. And I'm telling you, when I meet this person, it's going to be better than selling a cartoon to the New Yorker. Do we have some initials? Yeah, give us initials. No. No. And us. And us. Michael Shaw. The great. No, no. All right. Well, they kind of gave us a teaser like that, and then just, all right. Hey, one thing I want to ask before you go, you said something about Emma says you can only submit seven at a time. Is that true? Yes, and they have to be in alphabetical order. They have to be in alphabetical order, and they all have to be about fruit. Yes. No, we never said that. There's no such thing. We we never said there has to be seven. I'm not sure where you heard that, but I know that we said when people say there has to be 10 to a batch, this is all kind of made up. It's sort of a thing that snowballed because some other cartoonists, they won't reinforce this, but someone else kept on saying that there should be 10 to a batch. But No, Bob said that. Bob Mankoff? Mankoff said that all the time. Yeah. Send 10. And that he was... Might, his... He might have said that at times, but, but people sent in all different amounts. There were people who have always sent in way more or way less. Yeah, don't do that. Bob said 10... Emma said seven. Stick to it. Quit freelancing, Bob. No, I disagree. You can do what you want to do. You don't. Have I'm not doing what I want to do. I'm doing what they told me to do. You're doing what you want to do. Okay, I don't. I don't. We think need to talk about said, that. I don't think anyone said you had to send in a certain amount of cartoons. Yes, they did. It's well. I'll send you the documentation. Michael, I think you're right in the fact that yet somebody, sometimes, somewhere. Yeah past said submit 10 a week because it it develops this kind of self-discipline you have to produce a lot of work to produce anything good so the thing is you have to produce a lot and if you don't only doing two or three cartoons a week you're never going to get that i do think i think that's sort of a gatekeeping process too so if you're going to do no, 10 you'll never get better at it the more you do well, i never got better at it and i drew 10 all the time David, you've got awesome cartoons are you kidding me yeah i'm One kidding you're clinically boring. That's my favorite. Oh, really? Yeah, I love that one. <laughs> I don't. Yes, that's yeah. been a while since I've seen those. You I just made Shaw's entire month. You did. You made my whole day and maybe part of my evening. <laughs> that cracks me up, that one. Oh, <laughs> it just, I don't know what it does to me. And Bob, you know, your favorite one is the one with Darth Vader at the reunion. Oh, Darth? That gets 
that gets me every time. I love it. Vader. Oh, thanks. <laughs> you know, just Vader looking fun. at it, just looking at it cracks me up. He's a little bit portly and she's like, Darsh, Darsh, is that you? That is a funny cartoon. That is a funny cartoon. <laughs> Don't tell Bob that. These two, Sarah, these two guys constantly forget that they are amazing cartoonists. And they are just like, they're just you know, like, they're kind of curmudgeon-y. They're kind of like, bah, 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 and they talk to other people who are, you know, gag cartoonists and they always are, you know, showing tons of praise. And they, in their showing of the, all the praise, they forget that they are crazy, successful yeah. gag cartoonists all the time. It's like, I have to Crazy know. awesome. They don't know. So you're doing that yeah. has just woken them up completely. They both That's right. So it's like, exciting. It's, ex- it's exciting knowing that I'm talking to two legendary uh, cartoonists and the one of the two Bobs. I mean, Bob Mankoff and Bob Eckstein, you guys are both championing, championing cartoons and cartooning and Bob with your newsletter. I think it's just great what you're doing. I, I do have to ask, uh, do you find citing your name a, uh, a nervous activity? Because it's so long. It's got so many extenders yeah. and, you know, the nib. And, you know, yeah. sometimes it's like flowing. And sometimes I'm looking like, oh, she's to the second S. Is she going to make it to the E? I know. I should shorten my name. <laughs> you can do, you can go by Mo. Just M-O. I could. Or no, I, like, I like your name. I think it's got a nice musical beat to it. Yeah. It does, but it's one of the longer names in print. Yeah. That I you know see. what I should do? If I, I mean, if and if anything ever sells, I usually go into Photoshop and just you know select that area and just make it smaller. You know what I used to do? Um, I I wrote my name in one time that it was perfect, perfectly acceptable for an illustration for the New York Press and. I would just copy and paste it, and I'd change the color tint so it matched the artwork. And I was like, Ooh, I, one. and I would just repeat it because I was like, I don't feel like doing this every time. Like, you know, sometimes you'd write your name wrong. All the, you know, you'd write the yeah. M wrong. You'd write the A wrong. And like, I would write my own last name. Like, I would, I'd be like, oh my God, that D looks terrible. So I just started copying and pasting one that looked good. <laughs> so I think I wrote my name one time. I'm not the same thing, but no, just Sorry, I'm not a Jew yet. Don't, that's no. terrible advice. The least we can do as cartoonists <laughs> is to sign our own name each time. Sarah, yeah, ignore what Marty said about that. This is coming, this is coming from You Bob. do what you want to do. Bob, you write three letters. B-O-B with a little N on the top. Yeah, your signature is like nothing to write. But it's got a little smile on it. Yeah, Sarah's celebrating each time she completes a cartoon with that nice long name. It gives us a yeah. chance to contemplate what she just accomplished. Yeah, I, Bob, you can rest assured I sign every cartoon by hand. And sometimes your uh, signature wanders around on your cartoon. Yeah. It does. You never quite know where to put it. It's not really, yeah, sometimes it's on the side or, yeah, I'm not consistent. I'm not, I'm never consistent, which maybe good, maybe not. No, I like it. I do. I do. And sometimes I notice maybe different pens for the signature. And I'm going to be following your paintings. I I really love what you do with your paintings. I think the way you capture light and stuff is just beautiful. Thank you. You know, I just got an email yesterday from somebody who wants to buy my an original of my, my best-selling image. So I just jacked up the price, and they didn't really reject it. So I'm going to paint it soon, a large format. <laughs> nice. Sarah, how large are those paintings? They're, they're at the website, too. We're going to repeat the website. That's M-O-R-R-I-S-S-E-T-T-A-T. And you can see Sarah's paintings there. They're really lovely. Thank you. Yep. Is the one that the person uh, wants to buy one of the the divers? Yeah, one of the divers. They're the ones that sell best. And um, yeah, it's one of the most popular images. And um, They're so graceful. Thank you. The original image of that particular one that they want was small. And so, but they would like to have a bigger version of it. So I could do that, basically. I just have to build up a fresh canvas and do it when I have time. I don't know when. I have so little yeah. time. Well, speaking of which, I'm not going to keep you much longer because yeah. we had the difficulties getting started, and we do appreciate how you kept at it. And just like a like a true cartoonist, you persevered. <laughs> you did not give up. You just <laughs> not give up. So it was really great to meet you, and I want to keep in touch. 
And uh, we're going to see you uh, get only better and get everywhere. I know that you're going to be really big. We're following your career, Sarah, so don't let us down. Yeah. Thank you, you guys. No pressure. No pressure. No pressure. It's been great. And Marty, thank you for hosting this party. And you've been great, too. Appreciate it very much. Of course. Great cartoons. I always love putting one of your cartoons in Weekly Humorous. They always do. Thanks. They always do well. Especially, I mean... Three so far. Well, the one is coming up, right? Another one is coming up. Yeah, we have another one coming up. Um, and I'll definitely be obviously sharing the crucifixion one for Easter. You know, got to get in the got to get in the season. Got to get in the spirit. Oh, I'm gonna have to send you some more Easter cartoons. I have some more. Uh, yeah, I'll send you another batch. Oh, <laughs> sounds, <laughs> sounds sounds devious. I think. Good, good. I love telling religious cartoons. I have cartoons about Jesus than any other subject. I was an altar boy, so that was the thing. But that's why I love your cartoon so much. He was an altered boy. <laughs> Milo. I have a few in mind. I hope I haven't sent them to you. Well, anyway, if I haven't, I'll put together a bat for you. Okay. Okay. Well, well, thanks again. Um, I'll say goodbye to everyone listening. And thanks, everyone, for hanging out with us at the Cartoon Pad. And until next time, let it be written. Let it be drawn. Thank you, Michael. And thank you, Marty. And special thanks to Sarah. Auf Wiedersehen, Sarah. Auf Wiedersehen. Ciao. See you guys. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.